Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Hello and welcome to NVC, IGN's Nintendo podcast. I am your host, Casey DeVritis, and today I am joined by Matt Kim. Hello. Who has never been on before. Nope. Matt Kim, give us a little introduction. Uh, hi, I'm Matt Kim. I'm uh, IGN's reporter, and I love Nintendo games. There you have Ooh. it. And oh, we're also yeah. joined by Tom Marks. Hi. And Brian Altano. I'm the only one that didn't wear the headphones. I didn't know that's the way this was. Put Here one you on go. Right now. It's too late now. I have to, yeah. I have to double down. No, it's fine. <laughs> we don't all have to hear ourselves echoing in our heads. It's really just my job. <laughs> 
so it's okay. So today on NBC, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. We're able to talk about the first, what, three dungeons of Link's Awakening? Yes. Yes. The first three dungeons of Link's Awakening. We're going to talk about that weird hula hoop thing that you probably know about now because this is coming out after that. But we'll put in a little, you know, we'll splice in some news in the middle of this episode. And That's then right. we'll know what we're talking about. But right now it's Wednesday. We don't. And we're also going to be talking about Amiibo releases, a new headset that works really well, and a ton of other stuff. So first off, let's start off with what the hell is that hula hoop thing, and uh, why did Nintendo decide to put that out right after we published our show last week? They have, Those a, they have a fascinating history of doing that. Uh, <laughs> see, the issue is that podcasts happen once a week and news is nonstop. So yeah. there's, we're, always, we're always running. I mean, we have to have this happen on Podcast Beyond all the time, too. Um, we'll record the show, and right afterwards, they'll be like, oh, here's the first photo of PlayStation 5. Like, <laughs> um, but this was fascinating because I want to talk real quick about the timing of this. And for those of you who don't know, the uninitiated out there, Nintendo about a week ago released kind of arbitrarily in the middle of the afternoon here a trailer for a new peripheral that is a loop hula hoop ring shaped device that you put your Joy-Con into that can be uh, squeezed and bent and wrapped around your leg and yeah. thrown in the air. And So it looks, if you're familiar, it looks exactly like a Pilates ring also known yes. as a fitness circle. Yes. It is basically exactly the same thing, but you can put your Joy-Con into it, yep. and then you put the other Joy-Con into a thigh strap. Yeah, it's a two-parter. Yeah. Uh, yes. A lot of people focus on the ring, but there's also like a separate strap for the like left Joy-Con or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for the leg. Yeah. And uh, most of the activities they're doing with that ring, the Switch ring, looks exactly like what you do with a Pilates ring. Yep. And I'm slightly concerned because those things get destroyed real fast at the gym to the point where they don't stock them anymore or they lock them away. Really? And yeah, and I had one at home and mine, like, but the pads on it, like, slowly deteriorated because, like... You're, you're sweating on it. You're right. doing stuff yeah. with it. So, so that's not that'll just be like, a fun thing to share with people. That's yeah. just not just like people abusing it at the gym badly. It's just... No, it's, it's a little bit of that too, okay. right? <laughs> uh, I think the timing on this thing was fascinating because old school Nintendo would have gone like four months without revealing anything new or interesting for their hardcore video game loving demographic and then just drop the trailer for like a, a motion controlled hula hoop and everyone would have been very mad. Yep. But this came the day after mm -hmm. one of the most jam packed surprise directs they've done ever that was like, you know, wall to wall, 40 minutes and then 20 minutes on Smash Brothers afterwards, 60 full minutes of just like, here's awesome games coming to Switch. And we were like, wow, I'm full. Thanks. Good night. And the next day we woke up, they're like, here's a hula hoop <laughs> you can put on your leg. And we were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You can do that too. It's That's a, okay. It's a hardcore reverse from like their Wii era strategy, yes. you know, where like at E3, they would have talked about this hula hoop if this came out during the Wii era. But, you know, mm -hmm. we're, in a, we're in a new. You age. Well, the Wii era was all like hula hoop and then a very small footnote that was like, but we didn't forget about you hardcore gamers. <laughs> and this time it's in reverse where it's all hardcore gamers. And at the very end, they're like, didn't forget about you hula hoop. Which people. I appreciate. And yes. I'm going to have a lot of fun bringing the hula hoop out during holiday events with my family yeah. and making them do strange things. I, I will say that there was like a lot of <laughs> emphasis on um, like friends and yeah. family gathering, which is historically the opposite of the way I exercise, yeah. which is like a cat dies. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some multiplayer stuff to it, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's just because it makes better footage, mm. right? Like it's not nearly as 
interesting and product selling to show a person alone in their house like massaging a ring as it is to show them like doing that with friends what you think that's uh metroid prime 4's core mechanic that revolves around that hula hoop oh, hey no. at this point i'll take it so we are speculating right now but we are going to do a pickup tomorrow morning which is today if you're watching anyway there's going to be a, a video that's inserted right here at this it. very moment talking about the actual announcement with actual information. Yeah. And we're back from the future with news about the <laughs> Ring Fit Adventure. Um, Jonathan Dornbush is joining us. And Zach Ryan is also joining hey, us. Hi, everybody. And hey. this is Brian and Casey, in case you haven't been watching the first 10 minutes of this episode. That's right. <laughs> what a weird place to just, skip to. Mm-hmm. Just in case. But, man, guys, we finally got to see what this... Weird freaking loop hula hoop. I've been waiting all week. And it's called the Ring Fit Adventure. Weird Uh, freaking loop was actually the original title for it. So I'm glad they went with this. I mean, I was calling it the F and hula hoop earlier this (laughs) week. I was calling it Hoop Dreams. Um, What a weird, like, cult initiation video they put out to introduce this thing. Oh, that video, man. It is totally so strange. Yes. Like, I love that Nintendo does weird, innovative stuff like build a VR kit out of cardboard or introduce you know motion controls as the main component of their games but like this is so tonally bizarre like watching it this morning felt like indoctrination it was really weird weird. i totally agree i feel like it's one step removed though from being parody like it it kind of knows that it's being cheesy but it doesn't go the full mile in being as cheesy as it could be i I feel like it's, it's like iterative from Nintendo where like the Switch reveal was kind of like a slick commercial that mm-hmm. featured like this sort of like same kind of style and look yeah. but they've been progressively getting like weirder and the Switch cinematic universe is going to start like derailing into strange like I, I think bizarro territory. It started with the we would like to play guys showing up at people's houses and just oh, like kind of yeah. opening up their I doors love those guys. and yeah. walking into their living rooms but yeah this is it's definitely reached a very interesting point but I think that the end product itself uh, which is out on October 18th it's yep. what 79.99 yep yes is this really fascinating bridge between their uh, casual audience and their hardcore audience. And it's sort of being like, well, if we are going to gamify exercise for now the third or fourth time that we've <laughs> attempted this, most of which were wildly successful. Yeah, we fit was mm-hmm. tremendously um, successful. Yeah, I think this is a cool way to sort of be like, how do you get people who are like, totally in on the hardcore gaming side of Nintendo Switch and get them to do funny, weird wiggles in their living yeah. um, I was saying to Jonathan before we started recording that I think this is a good way to sort of kick off with a product like this. And in January, when everybody is full of cookies and booze, <laughs> launch something that's a little more traditionally exercise-driven, that's mm-hmm. a little less rpg and mm-hmm. kind of be like more Wii Fit branding. Yeah, for me, the thing about this initial announcement of it, like I'm super into this and I'm probably going to play it. I like kitschy sort of uh, fitness-based games and mm-hmm. stuff, but I think it's crazy to think that like it would just be this game like Ring Fit Adventure and they'd never use this going forward like right. I do think they're going to see how people use this first game and then maybe make new software based on that and you can buy that software cheaper without the actual like physical stuff or you can buy them packaged together going yep. forward I, I think it's interesting that it's sort of backwards from what they've done before where they've introduced like a suite of actual exercise software where it's like this is for fitness yeah. and this this time they're like sort of stealth introducing it as like this is an RPG that you play with your butt like yeah. you know what i mean like it's it's just like a totally different way of thinking about a fitness game and i think you you're play final fantasy 7 with your butt oh sometimes <laughs> i mean yeah. uh but i think you're right i think like down the line they'll introduce a more formal suite of like fitness Other software mm-hmm. yeah. but like casey was saying this morning like 
this is just a Pilates ring. Yeah. Like, everybody's losing their minds, but like this is a known piece of fitness equipment already, except now you just strap two Joy-Con into it. So. Right. Yeah, and a lot of the exercises that they showed were exercises that you would do with the Pilates ring, like at home, just as exercising. So it's not gimmicky in that you're getting exercise doing weird movements. You're getting exercise doing movements you would be doing for exercise mm. that affects the game. And I think that is incredibly clever and awesome. And it's very similar. I've been, I, we have, it's San Francisco. Okay. But we have a VR gym in San Francisco mm. and it's, <laughs> that's news to me. Yeah. It's actually, it's very cool. About that, mm. yeah. But, um, it does the same thing. You're doing regular exercises, but they are represented in the game as like attacks, which is what right. this is doing as well. Um, and it's really cool that they make it so enemies are weak to certain types of exercises. Right. So it kind of forces you to do things you might not be comfortable with to get that damage bonus. Mm -hmm. And from my experience, that works really well in making you do stuff you don't want to do. Yep. Yeah. Well, I love that idea. I mean, when I exercise, there is a bit of gamifying to it because like I track the numbers of how yes. much, I, like how much weight I'm using or how many reps I'm doing. So like how much weight I'm using. I've uh, seen your, I've seen your notes and it, they're notes. insane. But yeah. so, I mean, like I've already gamified my real life exercising. So the idea that they just put that into an RPG world where I'm fighting a buff dragon mm -hmm. dude, that just is like a natural evolution. The bodybuilding dragon is amazing. Yeah. Drago. Body I'm just gonna let I'm just gonna let you have that one. I'm not even gonna say anything. Um, but no, I did this. Us, just I us. did the same thing for weightlifting. Yeah. I would I completely gamified it. I was like, oh, I'm going up like half a pound, one pound, five pounds this week, and it, it made me feel as if you know the same kind of feeling you get when you level up in a video game and you're learning a new move. Except yeah, I mean, I feel like that's like sort of a key component when mm -hmm. you're seriously lifting week over week. It uh, doesn't mean that I'm still not miserable every week sure. that I'm there. Sure. But yeah, I, I think this is an interesting take just in the fact that it's like they, they are encouraging people who don't regularly exercise mm -hmm. yeah. to, you know, that by saying like you can crank the difficulty way, way down for a beginner level or scale it up for people who are like maybe a little more advanced you know, like gym wise. Um, but then they're also doing like quality of life things. Like they allow you to do it in a quiet mode where you don't have to necessarily jog in place. There's just like a right. modicum of motion that, you know, which is nice for San Francisco. Like you're yeah. saying, like, yep. people live above me and below me. And if I'm going to play this at home, like they don't need to hear me stomping around. It's also, I mean, gyms are like socially stressful places for mm -hmm. people, for people who are out of shape and don't want to go in. And like the, the first few days at a gym are tough and embarrassing and like it sucks mm -hmm. and people don't know where to start and like i remember, like the first time i went to a gym i had no idea what i was doing i went to spray down the machine afterwards and i sprayed the paper towel and wiped my face because i just didn't know <laughs> no one told me oh no and i'm just dumb at the gym and so i've gotten better at it but i think it's like making something you can do in isolation at home that sort of like it gets you into that that mode and maybe as a sort of like a bridge or a baby steps towards the real thing is is awesome and well, one and thing i i noticed as well is that they had instructions coming up onto the screen to help you with your form while performing the exercises in the rpg mode and i right. know that's very helpful yeah yeah uh, I was just going to say also, Brian, you and I were talking about this beforehand. It's also going to the gym is expensive. Like, yep. mm -hmm. So this will cost $80. In San Francisco, that's kind of like a typical gym monthly membership. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to find gyms that are not in the like $50 to $100 range. Yeah, and that's with so, no classes or instruction. Yeah, that's just whatever. basic membership. And so this game, especially if you want like an easy way to get in and you can avoid some of the social awkwardness that a lot of people do feel at the gym, this is like a great, reasonably affordable way to do that. Yep. Yeah. I think that despite the the overall weird marketing tone, I think it is a really interesting piece of hardware, a yeah. piece of tech. 
And like, it's just the kind of stuff that I love to see from Nintendo because yep. Nintendo can put out Mario and Zelda and, and well, I was going to say Metroid, but Metroid does not come out every <laughs> year. But, you know, like they have their like franchises, but then they also just go off into left field and do weird stuff like this all the time. And I think people have a tendency to write it off as like, what? That's so crazy. But you have to remember, like Brian said at the top of this segment, like those we fit was tremendously successful yeah. like millions and millions of dollars made on that little board so i think this is potentially could be another hit this like hybrid idea yeah. of gaming and, and yeah, fitness. Uh, Matt Piscatello from the MPD group recently tweeted that we fit was one of the top 5 selling sports in quotes genre games yeah. whatever that um, you know umbrella covers um, of all time and so there's something there there's also like the fact that the switch is just inherently snappier and quicker to use than something like the Wii or the Wii U literally which, you know yeah just right there um, it removes all the barriers or entry i think even like not having to drag the balance board out there's a lot mm -hmm. of little things exercise sucks i hate it i know you guys are great at it and stuff like that i despise it i hate <laughs> every moment of it i dread it constantly i feel great for about 15 minutes afterwards and i don't know See, somebody's exercising. Somebody's right doing, somebody's um, doing hammers. And so removing all of that and making it as easy as possible is, is a good look. Yeah. But yeah. I'm getting very distracted by the Yeah, that, that probably means we should wrap it up here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so any last comments about the Wii Fit adventure? I good. I still think the title for Ring Fit is, a, is scary and weird. Yeah. yeah. Maybe just a little bit. But yeah, also thumbs up for me. I'm definitely going to get it. I'm very... I, love gamifying fitness i think it's very cool mm -hmm. yeah. thank you for joining me on this very early morning impromptu talk and let's mm -hmm. get back to our regular nintendo voice chat programming yeah and we're back boy that was riveting yeah that i mean that hula hoop not that we know we know the name of it now <laughs> but not not me future me <laughs> but anyway let's talk about Link's awakening because <laughs> yes. that's something we can talk about right yes. now. Yes, uh, we can officially confirm that we are playing through the, the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. We'll have a review up uh, Thursday the 19th at 5 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, the re review is being done by Joe Scrubbles out of the UK and not me because I'm in too deep <laughs> on this game because I've loved it my whole life. Um, but Casey, you and I are both playing it right now. Yes. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's I love the music. It is so charming and so sweet. Yep. And I'm I'm very much enjoying it, even though I'm I'm playing it for the walkthrough. Mm -hmm. But which, as you know, changes the way you play the game. Yeah, I've been I've been helping Casey out and IGN out with with wiki coverage for this um, because it's a it's simultaneously one of the smaller Zelda games, mm -hmm. but also one of the more dense ones. Um, it's got just as many secrets as the average Zelda game. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to tackle this conversation right now because A, uh, it's a minefield, what we can and can't talk about. Yes. But B, this game is two different things to two different groups of people. If you grew up playing the original, um, I think this is a phenomenal approach at taking this classic game and modernizing it. If you've never played it before and you're hot off of something like Breath of the Wild, which is this like vast and limitless open world 3D Zelda game, this is a sort of slower, you know, more constrained tinier Zelda game. This is entirely top-down, 2D. Uh, it's got dungeons, with Bre Breath of the Wild didn't have, and they're some of the best in the franchise. You, you, you say that, and I, I'm not a person who's played the original, but something that at least struck me, and I haven't played the remake yet, um, except for at E3, and what struck me at E3, even though you're saying you know it's, much, it's different in scale to Breath of the Wild, was it reminded me of Breath of the Wild in that it just sort of says, go right right like it's it's not a very curated 
uh, like path that you're going on, at least from my initial impressions. And maybe that changes. No, but I was surprised by the fact that like you in that E3 video, just like or in E3 uh, demo, just like ran off to the dungeon, whereas. When I was playing, we were like running around doing collectathons. Right. No, actually, you're totally right. If you look at something like um, Twilight Princess, for example, which is very Lydia. Skyward Sword, yeah, very handholdy for the first hour or so, and then kind of releases you into the wild. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think I think I'm 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 in a weird spot on this because this is my favorite video game of all. This is a remake of my favorite video game of all time. I adore it. Um, for the first time in in history, a bunch of people. Are going to play this game for the first time, and they they might they might not like it as much as I do, and then I have to deal with them for the rest of my life. No. <laughs> would you say, I gotta listen to them all day? Would you say it's uh, that people would benefit if they played the new one and then went back and played the original? Or uh, yeah, I think so. I think that like the accessibility of the original makes that kind of difficult because it's a, it, you can play it on 3ds on the eShop, um, and you can dig up the old Game Boy carts. But other than that, it hasn't really been ported anywhere. Um, the fact that it's coming to Switch, I think it like it makes sense as like the sort of perfect handheld game. Like it is, it really is this cozy, intimate, awesome little world that you have in your hands. The entire game takes place on this island. Um, the whole art direction, I think, like totally works in help helping to tell the story. It's like very, it's sort of a mix between like you know clay landscapes and and then very toyetic sort of like figurines that somebody put together um and it's got this very just w kind of wonderful aesthetic to it that i i just can't get enough of um and i think people are going to really like it i think it's like honestly re removed from something like breath of the wild this is genuinely one of the best 2d zelda games one of the best zelda games period and getting it with this brand new coat of paint and a bunch of quality of life improvements uh, is really, really awesome, and it just makes me really happy. It makes me want to see them do that with some of their older games and, and modernize them in the same way. Can I be the Debbie Downer for two seconds? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that struck me when I played at E3 was that the frame rate was kind of yes. hit and miss. Is that, like, what's your experience with that in the in the more full version? Casey, you can probably back me up on this. Um, mm -hmm. I was actually surprised to find out that there are still some frame rate issues yes. that, that are that pester this game a little bit. It's nothing game breaking. It's nothing that's caused me to like lose in a fight or anything. It actually almost never happens indoors. Mm. It's almost always when you are indoors for a while and you go outside for the mm -hmm. first time and it opens the whole world up. Um, things will tend to chug or stutter for a few frames around the beginning. And I've noticed it's definitely a little worse in handheld mode. Yeah, no. I've also noticed, I noticed it more in handheld mode than I did in docked mode. And I've noticed it, same thing, like coming out of the building for the first time. Yeah. Or if I've been standing still for a very long time and then I move, it will do that. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be like a But loading. most people don't play like that. Most people don't walk and then put it down for a ton of time and then pick it back up again. <laughs> yeah. That's the wiki way to play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guide writer. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it so sounds like it might be a thing where it's like it, it ha struggles a little in loading. This is all speculative, but like loading that whole open world. And so I, when it's smaller so. screens, it's more manageable. Yeah, when the original Game Boy games were grid based, right? right. Um, as were all, all all games of that ilk. Uh, and so I find this to be sort of wildly uncharacteristic of an uh, official Nintendo first party game, mm -hmm. especially one of the status of the Zelda franchise. These are some of the most polished games ever made. You know, but it's good to hear that it's not. To a distracting It's not degree. constant. It's just yeah. once in a while after certain triggers, and it doesn't really affect gameplay at all. Mm -hmm. And I also noticed, I didn't notice the aliasing as bad as what I noticed at E3. Mm, either, right. Which is really good, because that was something that was immediately noticeable to me when we played that demo, but I didn't 
not as many jaggy edges. Uh -uh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've actually I've been taking a ton of screenshots because it's a beautiful game, and I've noticed it more when I look into those. I feel like in motion, it's hard to really tell. And that happens a lot with with certain stylized yeah. games, right? Is yeah. is in screenshots you can you can notice a lot of the rougher edges in a way that you don't when it's just like thrown at you in, in motion. Yep. Yeah. Um, some of the things I really, really like, and we've touched on this in previous coverage in the past, but uh, the original game only had two buttons. And so you had to constantly item map those two things. And so this time around um, stuff like uh, jumping and, you know, running, which are items you'll unlock in the first and third dungeon respectfully uh, are permanently mapped to shoulder buttons or, or face buttons. And so is your shield. And your shield actually comes into play a lot more than it used to because it's now too permanently mapped. And enemies will attack you with swords and they'll have shields. You'll have to parry with them a little bit more. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit more push and pull with combat, which I find interesting with certain enemies like moblins and stuff like that. And so that opens up everything. And weird, weirdly, I played the original game so many times that I still sort of like instinctually go into the inventory to grab my shield <laughs> and i forget that it's just right there at the at the touch of a button that's gonna there, ruin you when you try to go back to the original i know um there are also more seashells this time around more heart pieces more fast travel locations so getting around the world is quicker in general there's more to collect there's more to do hmm. there are these nintendo figurines that you know i've found a few of all of and uh yeah there's there's a lot here there's a lot here to do so i, I noticed some people were sort of upset about the 60 dollars price tag i mean that is a completely justifiable complaint for a game from 1993 uh, i haven't this played i've played zero of uh link's awakening like not at e3 not at any preview events even when i had opportunity to play it i something came up did you play the original at all i played the original because oh, okay, i cool. actually played it on the 3ds um, oh nice huh. And so I, I'm immune from your embargoes. No. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just looking forward to the music. I'm just yeah. looking forward to the mm -hmm. revised soundtrack because uh, the one thing I do remember from the 3DS version that I played was the sound of the music was really good. It's, so. it, it was excellent, and I was worried some of that would get lost because like Chiptune made that so special. Mm -hmm. And like I'm happy to say that I, I feel like it, it, there are so many, there's so much more production value in it now. Um, some of it is like almost fully orchestrated that it just feels so much better. Yeah. Um, and not like, you know, one's better than the other, but it, it is like, it, it's not distracting at all. Yeah. It's like really beautifully well done. It's a, it's like a really good game to look at and listen mm -hmm. to and play. So Brian, how many times have you cried in the last week? <laughs> um, I'll tell you guys next week <laughs> yeah. when, when we're talking about the... We'll talk about... We'll be able to talk fully 100% about everything in Link's Awakening next week, so look forward to that. Yeah. But for now, we can talk about another Link's Awakening thing, which is on the table. Oh. If you're watching, if you're listening, I'm sorry you can't see it. You can just bring up a product page for Link's Awakening Link Amiibo. Yeah, Nintendo sent us the, uh, the Link's Awakening Amiibo, and it's super adorable. And this really comes cute. out on September 20th, the same day as the game. Yep. And these it are, is really cute. These yeah. are $15.99 now. Yeah. I forgot about that because I've been out of the Amiibo game for a long time. They used <laughs> to be $12.99, I believe. Yeah, they they, were like, I think they were like $11.99 or $12.99 yeah. at launch. Mm -hmm. Are you guys then, Amiibo collectors? I think they're doubling Pear down. Pear is on, the... Oh yeah, I, know. I was for a collection. while. Yeah, yeah. Pear still gets everyone. We okay. have a, there's a, if you ever come visit IGN, there's a massive yep. like three tiered shelf of literally every amiibo ever that Pear's been collecting. Except for Thanks there for is a golden, there is a golden Monster Hunter Stories 
amiibo that you could only get by winning a tournament in Japan oh. for Monster Hunter Stories, and he does not have that one. So you know what's crazy? He also collects Joy-Con, and he's missing the the Labo Special Edition cardboard ones that only went to contest winners. Oh, yeah. So the only things he's missing in either of those collections are contest winners. Yep. Mm. Which that, I think you can forgive. Which is still yeah. pretty impressive. That contest one, that uh, Labo contest one, was only for like, like you had to be younger than a certain age in order yeah. to mm-hmm. compete. So I think Pear was never going to get it. No, I mean I he had Pear, kids. Pear actually did that <laughs> thing where like you go on your knees and you put shoes on them and you're a child <laughs> just to get the in. reverse Vincent adult man. So Tom, do you want to open that? I'm I'm gonna open this. We're gonna open do. the box. Um, I'm gonna like. I'm, should I hold it to the mic and like do some ASMR tearing here? Definitely not. Wait, right. uh, I mean, it sounds pretty nice. <laughs> I will say that uh, as somebody who that used to collect Amiibos that were sort of like Amiibo, the thing about them is that they got better and better in mm, quality as yeah. they went on. This is like honestly one of my favorite ones. It looks so good. I was on the fence about pre-ordering this, but now that I've seen it, I want one really badly. Yeah, they're really cute. The thing I don't like, and I know you do like this about it, mm-hmm. I kind of don't like the shinier plastic a little bit. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. There we go. Sorry that that was loud. Uh, it's got a, like a shinier plastic finish, like kind of like the older Splatoon Amiibo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not as it's huge really of a fan of shiny. that. It's really shiny, but it does, like I don't personally like that style as much as the matte ones, but also it does really work with the toy aesthetic of the game and of the character design. So it's not like it's... It's not like it's out of place, like it looks low quality or anything. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because like Nintendo's been messing with this kind of aesthetic for a while. If you go back to stuff like Mario vs. Donkey Kong, yeah, that was like a game about figurines and stuff. This is the first time Brian's held it. Oh my god, he's so cool. And it's not (laughs) the entire thing doesn't use all of the same plastic. Like his sword and the metal parts Mm -hmm. of the shield are a more of a a silver matte. Yeah. Okay. Um. (laughs) Brian's taking a photo. Yeah, I like, Twitter I like it because it, it gives like a porcelain quality to it, which I think is like mm. on purpose. Yeah. You know? There's also, Brian, you were pointing out there's really nice details, which we're not going to be able to capture on, on the video because it's far too far away. But like there's little orange kind of fade on the edges of the hair. There's a little bit of a lighter green fade on the top of the tunic. It's not just a solid color in any one spot. It's yep. It's got a lot of... It's got the signature. It's a very simple design, but it's still got that sort of signature amiibo, at least current amiibo quality of like just a little bit farther than they needed to go in spots. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, one of my favorite things about it is that it doesn't have like giant hunks of plastic around its feet or mm. like the weird ice blocks. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. There were a bunch of Smash Brothers amiibos that were based on uh, poses that the characters had been rendered out before they decided to make amiibo and to, to structurally support them. They're even doing this with uh, the Solid Snake amiibo, which comes out very soon. Yeah. Um, okay, the, I'm not going to lie. Seeing it with the, the lights shining on the hair makes me really, really like good. the shininess. Also, <laughs> I just tested. You can, it, it will pick up fingerprints. So. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I left a fingerprint on his hat. So if anyone's trying to steal my identity, and so right this there. will Thank actually, you, that off. <laughs> I believe this will unlock uh, Shadow Link in Link's Awakening in the side mode. Uh, there's like a dungeon creator mode. Cool. Yeah. So look out for that. That is my favorite amiibo. That's awesome. So uh, speaking of amiibo, we also got confirmed that a gold shovel knight amiibo will be is available for pre order, but we already have it. It's right here. Here it <laughs> so is. If you're watching the video. There's a very large uh, golden shovel knight it's that is two about... two feet tall. Yeah, it's like the size the size of your forearm, yep. <laughs> right? A two, feet, uh, two feet tall yeah. forearm. The size of Tom's forearm. You know, there was... Minus there was, a joint of finger. There, we were kidding here, but there was a time where I thought that Amiibo were actually going to get this big. Because at one point... <laughs> There's a d- giant Detective Pikachu one. Yeah, exactly, like, yeah. There's the Guardian the one, one that they had for... for uh, 
uh, Breath of the Wild too. Yep. The Guardian one was enormous. No, I mean there, we had a definition of what amiibo meant, and then it turned into plushies, giant Pikachu's, cereal boxes. <laughs> oh yeah, there was the giant Yoshi. I yeah. forgot about that one too. Uh, yeah, this is not. This is. That's uh, not. We're joking. For, There's, it's not giant. It's yeah. a regular sized amiibo. It's available for pre order. It releases in December and it acts the same in game as the original Shovel Knight amiibo. Yeah, this is. Uh, it's cool that they finally announced this. For anyone wondering, this giant Shovel Knight uh, first four figures sent us. This is one of theirs. They, of course, make just phenomenally high quality statues that are fairly pricey, but uh, they sent us this one. So yeah, seriously, if you're a Nintendo fan with like a nice home and potentially a pedestal yeah. in the yeah. center like and you want something like they first four figures makes um this amazing they make this amazing mario and yoshi statue that's like two and a half feet tall mm. they make a samus that we have in the office that lights up that it's, is just like they gorgeous. sent us that uh, um amaterasu from okami yeah. man that's beautiful that's they do size. um mm-hmm. wind waker link and the king of red lions and he's just Ooh, that one was great and, yeah i'm cool. just stuck on the person you just spoke to mm-hmm. who's like, yeah, if you got, you know, a nice house and a pedestal and somebody's like, I do have that pedestal that's <laughs> well, been empty for the Penny. last six doesn't, months. Doesn't Pear have a pedestal that he has something This on? is what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Pear, I, I, yeah I'm 90% sure Pear he has, has some. Cool pedestal. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I might, I might be making, I could have sworn he talked about having some sort of Star Wars memorabilia. Yeah. On a pedestal in his house. I don't See? doubt it. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We're pedestal less. Yeah. yeah. No, pedestals. <laughs> no pedestals. We don't even have any pedestals in the IGN office. What are we doing? I don't know. That's actually one of the generations, right? The millennials and yeah. the pedestals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Millennials are killing pedestals, and we don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have room in our tiny shoebox houses. That's yeah. true. So last on our um, segment of look at all of these things, um, <laughs> <laughs> Brian and I have been testing out these Headphones. So if you're watching the video, you can see them, but they're the Arctis One Steel Series 4-in-1 wireless gaming headset, and they are available for $99. And we started using them, and I really like these because they come with a USB-C adapter that you just plug into your Switch, and then they just automatically pair. It's super easy. All of the buttons are already on the headset, so you just hold down the power button, and it just connects to the Switch. Yeah. Hmm. Um, um, this is the first, I believe, because uh, I know that Arctis has been basically iterating on this model for a couple of years now, specifically for Switch owners. Uh, and they started out with wired ones, and they started out with wired ones that could wirelessly chat. Mm-hmm. And now they finally nailed a all-in-one wireless thing that allows you to use them as Bluetooth headphones, noise-canceling headphones, and yeah. chat headphones at the same time. So the, you can play your Fortnites without using a wire. The noise-canceling is actually really impressive. What? Yeah. Yeah, as, as Tom is demonstrating because he Tom's has the headset it, on. Yeah, yeah they're 99, 99 bucks. They're super comfortable. I really like these. I'm going to start using them as sort of my just like regular everyday headphones. Oh. Um, my only issue is that the dongle that sticks in the bottom of your switch doesn't have a USB-C pass-through. Mm-hmm. So you won't be able to charge at the same uh, time. If you have a modern iPhone, you already dealt with that problem yeah <laughs> but um yeah they're super cool i think they're out now uh so yeah. go look them up those are the arctis one steel series four in one wireless gaming headset. yeah and um also because it uses the USB C adapter it also means you can't use it while the switch is docked um mm. we were trying to think of a a workaround and we're thinking so the genki comes with a usb to usb c 
workaround port yes. for that. So we were wondering, like, maybe that might work. But we haven't tested it yet, yeah. so I'm maybe not really like that. sure. Yeah, I, that's that's such a good point because, I mean, they also come with wires, so you could technically hardwire it to You can. You but... can hardwire it to the dock if you wanted to, but you can also right. hardwire it to, like, the PS4 controller or the Xbox controller, yep. and it works it works fine. Yeah, we just I think we just have to solve for using them wirelessly while docked cuz that then they would yes. be just like utterly chef's kiss. Mm -hmm. And they're definitely <laughs> they're not my most comfortable headset I've used, but they are comfortable enough for me to use them for an hour or two without getting a headache, which is really good cuz even by the time I leave this podcast with these headphones on, even half I have terrible headaches every time. Wow. I hate headphones so much. <laughs> so an hour long time is really good for um, a headset for me. So yeah, that was the Arctis One SteelSeries 4-in-1 headset. Um, so onto some news. This is really just a PSA, but old cheats for the Super Nintendo work for the Super Nintendo Nintendo Switch Online games. And we have a whole wiki page about it. So if you search for like Super Nintendo Switch Online games, codes, IGN wiki, should pop up, but you get code like it's just the ones that you would enter at like the start screen, mm -hmm. like the one I don't know, just a PSA because I didn't think they would work. But is they there do. one for Super Tennis? Let me check. Um, old glitches <laughs> work too, right yeah, because Tom beat Link to the Past in like four and a half minutes the other day. Oh. Yeah, you can beat the we have a guide for it actually. If you if you google it, uh, we I made a whole guide on how to beat Link to the Past in four minutes using a very funny glitch. It's basically anyone can do it easy. It's, it's on the page. It's called Cheats and Codes for Super NES Switch Online Games. Nice. Oh. Yeah, I, feel, I feel bad because I was so hyped for uh, SNES games and I was all set to play them and I'm like, oh yeah, I can't wait to play games from 1994. And then I got Link's Awakening, yeah. which is a game from 1993. <laughs> <laughs> play that instead. So there are. There are a ton of passwords for Super Tennis Cheats. So I, there yeah. are exhibition tournament. There's a Don J password. Don J is located on a secret island you can't see on the world map. Okay. It's a secret code. On the player select screen, press L five times, X, R seven times, X on controller two. I don't know what it does, but it's People don't code. really know how yeah. hard it used to be to do some no, cheats. No, old cheats are wild. Ridiculous. That people can just second control. Yeah, right? That people can just find them, you know? Like, there was oh. a, my, I straight up gave my little brother like a, a blister on his finger because he had a, there was a thing in like Mega Man 2 or 3 where on the second controller, if you held up the entire time, Mega Man always did like really high jumps. <laughs> and so I just played through that entire game while he was sitting there holding up. The entire time for like five hours straight. Now you two don't talk anymore. No, that yeah. was it. That I was the end to, of it. You know, recently, so I went to the Pokemon World Championships and one of the girls, Strawberry17, who competed in the Pokemon Go Invitational, got a blister on her finger from doing the mini games for, for the tournament. Wait, yeah. Megan Camarena? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I worked with her on. Oh, really? Oh, what? yeah, she's awesome. We went to yeah. Oslo. No, she was so nice and great, and yeah, she, she had a, she rolls. Yeah, she got a blister playing Pokemon. Yeah. Go? Oh, that's she she said she Hardcore. has a, she has a specific technique to do it, and it just like puts it like pinches part of her skin on her Ooh. on her finger, and it gave her a blister. Did you guys mail in for the Mario Party gloves back in the day? What? Oh, the ones that, that? Uh, for the for the joystick. Yeah, uh, so there was, a, there was a mini game in Mario Party uh, for sixty four that you basically had to just like go crazy with the joystick in the center of your palm and people were just drilling holes through their hands basically. I mean, I just dealt with it. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of us did. It builds character. But yeah. if you were a huge baby, like some people this I know. This is why the kids these days are babies. I know. Because they, 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 they mail in for gloves. Gosh. Millennials are killing Mario gloves. Yeah, you know. Mario <laughs> what will they kill next? Who knows? So we also just got a, a new DLC chapter for Celeste. 
Chapter nine. It's the it's the final chapter. Yes, and it's this free. is this is likely, and this is a very 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 sad thing for me to say, but this is likely the last update, last new Celeste content we will ever get officially, mm. ever, ever, and that's really sad and cool. What about Celeste two? They're not making it. Why? Um, the so I did an interview with Matt Thorson, who is uh, one of the creators uh, of Celeste, and they basically told me that they weren't interested. Like they they just didn't think that they could do a sequel justice. They okay. told the story they wanted to tell. They felt like they kind of tapped the well dry in terms of ideas, uh, and they didn't really know what they would want to do with it, so they just didn't want to make a new game. Uh, they also said that that might change. You know, maybe in X amount of years, they'll come up with more ideas. They'll they'll go back. But uh, for now, yeah, they're not making a Celeste 2. They're working on a new game that they... That means that it's not a Celeste-related thing. And then this update, uh, which just came out on Monday, it is just a huge, huge update. It has over 100 levels in it, and that brings the total levels in Celeste to over 800. Wow. So it's roughly an eighth, a seventh of the game that they just like added for free on on monday for no reason it's really great well that's a that's a good way to say goodbye yeah, yeah it is and the the title of the game or the title of the up the chapter is called farewell uh, a little on the nose uh, and it's well the the story and i'm not going to spoil anything you learned this in the very very beginning but it, it's basically a story about uh death and accepting death and and he, matt was telling me that there's all these themes in it about like you know, Celeste was a lot of, uh, was a really wonderful story because it was all about, you know, accepting kind of darker parts of yourself and learning to make peace with those and work with those and not try to just get rid of them. Uh, and then the point that they were trying to make, which Matt said not a lot of people maybe picked up on, but some people did, of course, was that reaching the top of the mountain didn't just solve Madeline's problems, mm -hmm. right? It Like, it's a continued thing, mental health and and taking care of yourself is a continuing thing that you have to keep working at. Uh, and Matt said that this chapter is a lot about like how easy it is to fall into those old patterns. Um, and it's really kind of a touching thing as Celeste does. Uh, they're very, very good at that about doing a very genuine message in a very uh, thoughtful and engaging way that doesn't feel like preaching. Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, this chapter is ungodly hard. It's just like some of the hardest levels I have ever played in this game. It is massively complex, incredibly cool. Some of the coolest ideas, some of the coolest new music. Visually, it's not my favorite area. It's not bad, but it's like not as impressive as some of the other ones. But man, is it fun. Uh, the Without spoiling too much, because again, really, it's free. If you have the game right now, you can go play it. In the second half of this chapter... Uh, they teach you in a basically the only actual structured tutorial the game has how to do something called a wave dash, which is a technique that speedrunners have been using for and Smash Brothers Melee. It's yeah. named after it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, yeah, wow, that's awesome. Um, they it's a technique speedrunners have been using forever, uh, and basically what you do is you dash. You jump up very slightly, and then you dash diagonally towards the ground and hit jump right when you hit the ground. And what happens is you do a jump with the boost of the dash, but you still have a dash in midair. So you can basically do like a super long dash and then dash again in midair for free. Um, and free. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. Like it's really really tricky to pull off. It's not impossible, but it's it's very very technical in a way that nothing else in the game really is up until that point. Not to that degree, at least, um, because if you 
If you jump too high when you dash down, then you uh, you don't get any momentum. And if you jump too early, or no, if you jump, yeah, if you jump too high when you dash, you don't get your dash back. And if you jump too early, then you don't get any momentum. So you have to like time it perfectly. And then there are things in this chapter, because this is the first time they've taught players how to do it. It's the first time they've been able to build puzzles and levels with it in mind. Oh, wow. And so you have all these sequences where it's like, you have to wave dash into a wave dash into a bubble, which shoots you up, and then you wave dash the other direction and go to another thing. And it's just crazy precise, but it opens up so much like room for for puzzles and all these in, encounters and, and ideas that you just wouldn't have been able to do in the base game. It's really, really a wonderful Tom, update. did you beat it? No, I haven't yet. <laughs> I got like, I got two or three hours in before I hit a screen where I just was like, I'm, I need to come back to this later. And I, I haven't gotten all the way. This is, this is a game that was pretty notable for its accessibility option. Yeah. And, and those are all still in there. Okay. So, so you, even if you don't, if you, if you're not interested in mastering these new techniques, you can just sort of, well, so they, still, you have to do the new techniques to get through. You, the levels. Do you have to technically no, because oh, the accessibility okay. options do let you get things like infinite dashes uh, or the, you can't die. There's also my favorite accessibility stuff, which is you can tune the game speed down by 10% at a time. So if the game is just a little bit too fast or you just quite can't quite get the button inputs quick enough, you can just tune down to like 90, 80%. And it's still very challenging for a lot of people, but you know, it just gives you a little more time to think, a little bit more time to move your hands. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff is still here, right? Like, you can just go through this this chapter with infinite dashes if you want. And there's nothing to stop you, and that's totally fine if that's how you want to play the game. So none of that's gone. Um, but for the people who really are interested in that crazy, crazy challenge, this is something that is, it's a really good reason to go back to the game. So in speedrunning culture, there's going to be a post-chapter 9, or pre-chapter 9 and post-chapter 9, which is going to be a new generation of players who just know how to wave dash because of Celeste. Right, and and it was a t- it's the type of thing where wave dashing you have to do in yeah. the best speedruns. People have been using it for a long time, and even they designed a lot of the levels to let you cheat them with wave dashing. The, the, this is kind of the amazing, not secret, open secret, let's call it, of Celeste, is they designed tons of skips in this game they very intentionally made speedrunners play this game ahead of time to get a sense of what they would do and how they could enable that sort of thing so once you learn wave dashing in chapter nine you can go back to the earlier chapters and realize like oh i don't need to do this whole jump around sequence i can just wave dash over the gap and be done um, it's it's going to be really really cool, and I hope it actually weans a lot of people onto speedrunning because it it makes it very accessible. That's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm telling us all about that. I'm yeah. sorry, I could talk about Celeste for I know. years. No, it's <laughs> it's so it's so wonderful to be able to talk about Celeste again. If I, you, if you missed it, I put up an interview and then also my preview of of Chapter Nine over the weekend. This was and your it's favorite game show, right? Yeah, it was. It was. I gave it a ten. Yeah. Like it was my. It was my big, big thing. I think God of War was still like my big game of the year, but Celeste has a very, very special place in my heart, and it has. It has an age today. It's still really wonderful. I think it's really awesome that they said they told their story and they're moving on. That's um. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of not common. You can appreciate no. it. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So hey, uh, let's move on to the next bit of news. So. We saw last week, and this was something that I missed when watching the trailer, Um, so we saw a little bit more footage of Pokemon Sword and Shield, and there was a segment where the character goes into a shop, and then on the upper right corner, you see a now saving. Mm. Pokemon has never had an autosave 
feature in the core games. You've always had to manually save. So we don't really know how this is working. So maybe it only auto saves when you're going into buildings or you're going into shops, or maybe it just auto saves all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, In which case you would no longer be able to like basically save scrub to save before legendary Pokemon, Mm. for example, or save before getting your starter Pokemon or, I mean, most times with starter Pokemon, you have to start the game over, but you know what right. I mean? <laughs> um, so, and the, the purpose of doing that was say you want to get a, um, like a legendary Pokemon with a particular nature, or maybe you're trying to get a shiny legendary Pokemon, which requires you to soft reset hundreds of times until you get to that point. So if it auto saves, it could potentially prevent you from doing that. Mm-hmm. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Any opinions? Um, I'm a little nervous about it. I I will say personally, I lost uh, the the last Pokemon game last year's, the one that came out right before. Sun and Moon or Ultra Sun and Moon? Yeah. Um, I lost a bunch of progress in that game because I didn't really play a lot of Pokemon games. And so I thought that it would just have my back. (laughs) And it didn't. And I was happy to play it over again. You know, some things turned out a little different. Mm -hmm. But um, ultimately, for someone like me, who doesn't play on a pro level, even remotely, this is uh, welcome. So mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah, no, me. I actually, that was a very big issue for a lot of people not knowing that's how Pokemon worked, especially in this yeah. new era, especially with children with this being their first their first Pokemon game. They just turn it off because you assume it's the autosave. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I don't know. I need to know more about how exactly it works. Yeah, yeah I think that's the key here because Pokemon has always had forced saves right if you ever want to go online or you Mm -hmm. want to trade do that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. you have to save so it could be that they went into an online area exactly maybe there's an area areas of the game like we know you can like run into people in the Mm -hmm. in the in the wild area right you can run into like people's camps Mm -hmm. so maybe this is that building was an area that you can run into other people and so it needs to save the game before that Mm -hmm. uh yeah i think we need to know more about it my hope is that if there are auto saves, you can just decide whether which way you want to play. Yeah, because I think giving players the options is always the best solution. I think that would yeah. be the best solution because I know some people were like, "Great, awesome! There's no more manual saving. That means people can't cheat." Because oh uh, yeah, well, I guess safe scrubbing in front of legendary Pokemon, some people consider to be cheating. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know. I agree. You should be able to play the way you want to. Yeah. Why, why would anybody care if somebody else is saving, saving before? I used to do that all the time in the uh, original ones, but for like, I don't know, like the stuff about shinies and, and what? The right nature. Yeah, that one yeah. was way <laughs> after me. Like, I stopped mm-hmm. playing Pokemon around like Ruby Sapphire. Um, but I, you know, like, yeah, you save before Mewtwo just so in case you accidentally kill him, you know? Yeah, and because yeah. then you wouldn't be able to get Mewtwo exactly, anymore. Right? And that's not the case with the newer games anymore. I mean, they respawn, but in the older games, like, huh, yeah. you just <laughs> stuck with what you did. I mean, if, if it's not affecting online or multiplayer no. or competitive play, then I don't really care what other people do. Yeah, I completely that's, that's, agree. You're totally up to, you know, to do what you want. Mm-hmm. I, I think... The best, the best choice here is obviously to have an option, yep. but it's also um, probably won't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's the way these things always go down. We will find out. But hey, <laughs> Brian, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles has finally gotten a release date. Isn't Remember that, that conversation Yay. we did two years ago yes. about this? Oh my god! <laughs> um, yeah. And speaking of beloved remakes, <laughs> uh, this is one. This is weirdly my favorite Final Fantasy game. I get so much crap for that, but it was it, on the GameCube and it was co-op. Yeah. Crystal Chronicles rules. The worst yeah. part about Crystal Chronicles was the Game Boy Advance Link. 
Yeah. And you had to use that to, as a controller. Yeah. That yeah. was oh, yeah. the worst part of that game, and it doesn't exist anymore with this remake. Uh, yeah. Or remaster. Apparently not. Um, and so it's, it's coming, coming out, out January in January 2020, um, which feels far away, but also at this point, I'm fine with yeah. stuff getting moved to next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also just a couple months away. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! Don't please, remind. Yeah, please don't say that. <laughs> no. No, this this year is seventy percent done. Yeah, it's so. gonna be the twenties soon. Oh, yeah. the Roaring Twenties. Oh. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. see. Can't wait till <laughs> April. Um, so there's also new character skins, new dungeons, and bosses. Ooh. Um, yeah, and it's coming out on the Switch, PS4, and mobile all at the same time. Cross-platform play is confirmed, but we don't know which platforms are supported yet probably mobile right. and switch and then sony will drag do their own thing <laughs> yeah That's hey are, fine. are people really interested in this we'll be like yeah this is one of those games that i remember so fondly and remember loving so much but also i haven't played in so long yeah. it could be one of those ones where i get back into it and i'm like oh no yeah <laughs> why this is like, a, why did i like this this is a tedious video game right i mean let's not get it twisted here this is a game where four people enter a dungeon and it's constantly surrounded by poison and the only way to survive it is to carry a bucket that uh cuts through the fog and allows you to live in a circle where you don't die i thought it was a crystal it's a crystal in a bucket yeah okay i'll carry the bucket for you brian that'll be great you guys not carry your crystal bucket on your way to work because i i do all the time to get through the fog yeah 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 that's a big problem yeah Millennials are killing crystal <laughs> um, the, the the uh this invariably led to you uh leaving this task up to your young brother again <laughs> or um like the person in your group who was like just wanted to kind of hang back and play defense right some people like our younger siblings i i, I used to too <laughs> we used to have a great relationship until i ruined his fingers in Mega Man, and then um, made him carry a bucket <laughs> what are you doing that's my bucket brother Everybody knows about him. <laughs> um no so uh that's it it makes it sort of a tedious game to get through uh but i think there's a lot of really fun stuff here it's it's very diablo light yeah. you know mm. So that's about all the news we have for this week. So moving on to games that are, are out this week that you can play. So first up is Blasphemous, which is out on the 10th for $24.99. Um, our reviewer at IGN, Stephen Petit, gave it a 7.0, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Just he liked good. it. Yeah. His, his... I was hearing so many good things about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like this game a lot. I also like it. It's fun. Yeah. 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 This is, um, I did an interview with the lead dev at Gamescom and... Uh, it was really interesting because Max Govel and I had just gone to a museum in Germany the day before that had a bunch of like, like very graphic crucifixion era oh, paintings and all yeah. of this, you know, stuff that was like very much inspired by um, some of the more sort of darker moments of Christianity and Catholicism. And I asked him, like, was your game inspired by those? And he was like, yes. Oh. How'd you know? Like this, it's this is basically a Castlevania game where there is more. It's a lot more sort of street level. Um, in terms of the horrors that happen, there are like, you know, sort of rotting corpses in the background and impoverished mothers holding their kids and pixel art. And it's, it's creepy. It's yeah. scary. I just love that list of mothers holding their children scared corpses. Pixel art. Pixel art. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the, the, you get to see a lot of sort of the, the emphasis of a Metroidvania style, style stuff. And then there's a sort of like a Dark Souls retrieval system. Um, and I love it a lot. I actually I like it better than Bloodstained. And mm. oh, okay. it's been a good year for Metroidvanias. But, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, this this You is, liked it more than Bloodstained. I do. Okay. Yeah. What about what about Bloodstained on another console? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's yeah, that switch patch? What happened with that? I don't know. That was supposed to happen, right? It'll be in 10 months. Well, we'll we'll get back to you with that news as yeah. soon as we know. I'll, I'll also say I've had a bunch of people tweeting at me wondering my thoughts on this. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, and I will. So also out this week is The Sinking City out on September 12th for $49.99. And our reviewer at IGN, John Borba, gave it a 7.8. Yeah. It's um, an action-adventure game with some Cthulhu stuff. Oh, it's mm-hmm. 100% Lovecraft. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all in on the Cthulhu yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and the Lovecraft. It's it's sort of a mix. It's a new, I believe it's a new story inspired by a bunch of Lovecraftian yeah, other although, stories. Although it has I'm, a lot of illusions. And, and this is a port. This has been out for a while yeah, for other yeah. systems as well. So and also out this week, which is probably the most important thing, is Damon X Machina oh. out on the thirteenth for fifty nine ninety nine. Our reviewer Joe Scrubbles gave it a six point five, which mm-hmm. is okay, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we assumed it would get. Yeah, he yeah. He, he basically said, and I encourage you to check out the full review. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he basically said that it does a really wonderful job recreating kind of old school mech shooters, and it's beautiful, and it it looks really good. But the actual meat and potatoes of the game is fairly simple, one note, and sort of you're just doing the same thing for a long time. Um, and that thing is not, like, overly interesting. Uh, so it's it's by no means a bad game. You know, people a lot of the time see Below a 7 and think, oh, this game's terrible. Uh, and in the age where a lot of games are coming out, maybe you need to be more, like, picky with your your choices. But it's definitely not a bad game from what he said. It's just sort of... In his, in Joe's opinion, a little monotonous. If you're into like the old classic mech anime, yeah, then this is definitely not a six point five game for you. It's going to be higher than that because it's very much like relying on those like old anime mech tropes, you know? right? But uh, but if you're not, then you know maybe the com- maybe the combat's just a little more repetitive than you'd like, and blah blah blah. That's how I, I always looked at sixes as well. If it was a game that I was super excited for and seemed like it was just for me, mm-hmm. and it still got in the sixes, I would still pick it up and play it, and I would still like it more often than not. Yeah. So, yeah, because I mean, because it's okay. Point, it's not bad. It's yeah. just. And it means you can you can sort of work around some of the complaints that somebody who isn't sort of as adhered to the subject matter would have. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, this is an interesting game. We've talked about it a lot on the show, and just seeing where it's falling in their calendar of releases, why it's happening now, um, the story about them putting out the demo that people didn't really like, but then fixing a bunch of stuff in it, which is really interesting and really good to see. Um, yeah, this is. It seems like this is not. We we see a lot of big games sell really well on switch and i yeah. don't think this i think this is going to be one of those like sleeper hits mm. yeah so those are basically all the notable games coming out this week and we already know that brian and i are playing Link's awakening mm-hmm. what are you guys playing lots of yoshi's island really oh, oh yeah that's kind of mainly what i'm on right okay. now on the train uh i the snes on the snes online stuff yeah i i jumped around it was funny i was like Dabbled in a little Super Metroid, dabbled in a little Zelda, There's went so here many and there. Options. Yeah, and then I settled on Yoshi's Island, and I'm about halfway through it now. And I, I mean, I've beaten it before on, on on SNES, but yeah, it's really lovely to to return to that world. It's cute music and great mm-hmm. graphics, and it's. I think I may be too harsh on modern Yoshi games. Going mm-hmm. back to it, I can't tell if I'm like better at Yoshi's Island. Or modern Yoshi games are not as easy, much easier than Yoshi's Island as I initially thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure which it is, but I'm. I'm Yoshi's Island is great, and it's still great, and it really holds up. 
Uh, yeah, I've um, I feel like I'm the only person still making my way through Fire Emblem. I feel like everybody's <laughs> beaten Fire Emblem. At I haven't beat. I wasn't able to beat it yet. Okay, so. like the spoilers are now like fully out, and I yeah. I've been spoiled. To, no, I know I'm it's, so it's sorry. wild. Um, but aside from that, I've also been playing Blasphemous. I kind of forgot that I was playing that, but I did pick it up. <laughs> um, and I've been playing. I, I think I'm like an hour in, and I'm really digging it. Like the whole aesthetic of it is super cool. Um, and it plays fine. It yeah. plays fun. It's fun to play, right? But <laughs> I have no like real critical thoughts about it because I'm not in playing yet. it for the right. Exactly, yeah. but it's cool and uh, yeah, it's a good time to own a Switch. Like basically, the last two years have been good years to own a Switch. You said you're oh, also yeah. playing and playing the tennis. Oh game. yeah, I'm also playing Super Tennis on the SNES thing, and I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just really bad or if that game is just like not as intuitive as I was hoping it would be. Like I can't get the timing right, like even a little bit, and so I keep losing by like huge margins. It's I, embarrassing. I, I think if you ask Sam Claiborne, he'd tell you not to ever play that game. Okay. So <laughs> like, it might, it might be the game, not you. Maybe wrong. that is. You're I'm, playing it? Yeah, just, <laughs> just playing it in general. Problem. <laughs> I, I like Tennis Sims. I like Tennis Sims. It's like a weird thing, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but, like, I'm just not good at this, and I don't <laughs> know if it's my fault or if, you know, maybe the game's just bad. <laughs> well, you know what people, a lot of people are playing on the SNES is A Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. So many people are playing that game that our wiki got a huge spike in traffic to the point where I was, I had to spend all day fixing broken links on that page on Monday. Wow. So thanks for that, cool. guys, reading our wiki. No, really, actually, thank you for looking yeah, at our wiki. I was going to say, yeah, that's that some sass. <laughs> uh, and good, because Link to the Past is probably my favorite Zelda game. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is... It, it's so funny, and I know we've talked about the what is on that SNES lineup already uh, on previous weeks, but it's really interesting to see which of those games holds up and which don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I, Super Metroid's great. I don't think Super Metroid holds up super well in an era where we're getting so Hundreds many Metroidvanias. Metroid yeah. Whereas Link to the Past, I feel like you could probably release today and it would be a good game. While we're doing the hot takes, I think the Zero Mission's a better Metroid game than Super Metroid. Oh, always, I've always thought that. Like there you straight go. up, yeah. I think and Super I Metroid's awesome. Yeah, I don't. But, I don't mean to hate on Super Metroid here. Yeah. It's just yeah. it, it's very it's very interesting playing those games comfortably with a Switch and just being like, oh man, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think the Metroid Prime games are better than the two D ones, but mm. if we're all full of Metroid hot takes. No, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Actually, I think Metroid Prime Pinball is the best video game ever made. I like no, Samus's true. hairstyle. It is a good one. <laughs> Wait, which, uh, the long ponytail one or the yeah. other M one? The long ponytail one. The helmet. Um, the helmet. She means yeah, the, the helmet. helmet. Oh yeah. I think it's it's fascinating that within a week we got we will get uh, or I guess two weeks, Link to the Past and Link's Awakening on Switch. Woo! Isn't that crazy? It's two Great. of the best two yeah. D Zelda games ever made. Two of the best video games ever made. Showing up, yeah. saying hi. Crazy. <laughs> All right, guys. It is now time for question block. Game of the year. Zach's favorite game. Um, we let's see. What's question block? What's question block? Take a guess. Who wants it? Yeah, take a guess. Is this question block? Is this question block? Me <laughs> guessing. <laughs> it's got real. This got real meta. Real. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Tom, please explain. Question block is where we take your questions from the audience. Oh. Uh, you can always message us at nvc at ign.com or in the NVC podcast forums if you want to. That's it. Send on us Facebook. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So right. we get uh, questions from our readers and cool. we answer them. Sometimes we have more time than others, but right now we have time for one question. And that question is going to be from Maxwell Myers. And the question is, which single Nintendo game do you have the strongest emotional connection to? What do we I, think, Brian? I, <laughs> Sorry, Casey. I, I can no, do a runner up. You guys go first. <laughs> what? You go first. Matt? I, I need a time to think. Okay. You guys can think about it. I thought about mine. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
I would say, actually, this is really hard now that I think about it even more than I've already been <laughs> thinking about it. <sighs> okay. I'm going to say The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time because that is the game I played that made me love video games. Pokemon, I wouldn't have had a Nintendo 64 if I hadn't played Pokemon on the Game Boy Color first. So without Pokemon, I would have never gotten a 64 and I would have never gotten Ocarina of Time, which is why this is a difficult decision for me. Mm -hmm. But I don't think Pokemon would have opened up my love for other video games the way that Ocarina of Time did. So I played through that game. I asked for a Nintendo Power subscription because of that game. I bonded with some of my best friends over that game and playing Ocarina of Time. And I'm still friends with them to this day, which is kind of incredible. And that is what made me interested in things besides Pokemon, as far as games go. Even though I had a Super Nintendo and I had Mario and I had Mm -hmm. a Sega Genesis, because I was an only child and, you know, my parents were like, what do we do with her? And so they gave me game (laughs) systems. But that, that... was Let her the, run around Hyrule Field. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no. So that that was what made me really into video games was awesome. Ocarina of Time. That's such that's such a phenomenal game. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like yeah, it's it's almost impossible to have not to have like to not have some sort of personal connection to that game, having played it growing up in any capacity. Yeah. Um. Okay. Wait, does it have to be a Nintendo developed game, or does it can it be like a Nintendo exclusive? I title? think anything anything that was on a Nintendo console. Okay. Right. So, I don't know. They say Nintendo game. Yeah. However, like, you want to. Take that. I'll uh, leave it up to you. I mean, I guess, like, my favorite game of all time is only exclusive. Well, used to be only exclusive to a uh, Nintendo console. And that's the Phoenix Wright series. Okay. You know? <laughs> like, that was um, that was a game that really, like, shaped my teenage gaming experiences, you know? Like, I really fell in love with the world. I really fell in love with the characters. For a moment, I was like, I should be a lawyer because I love this game so much, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, that's how much of an impact it had on me, where for a while, for a while I was like, yeah, this is it. I'm going to be this thing you know but there's less ghosts in real law if that yeah happens. yeah just less ghosts is let laws less fun so they mm-hmm. say. um you know the law's murkier in real life than it is in ace attorney right but it's like i <laughs> like yeah right who knows it's true um but yeah definitely a formative gaming experience for me mm. was ace attorney it literally like i've literally all i played throughout high school was just one through three and then i waited for the next game to come out um I think that dated me, but yeah. So that's pretty much it. Uh, but like emotionally, I've had a pretty strong response. I think to Mario Galaxy the most. Uh, mm. Like that game made me tear up just from playing it. Like I've, I like other Nintendo games more than Mario Galaxy, but like I don't remember crying at any of them other than playing Mario, Mario Galaxy. You know, so that's I think the Nintendo developed answer. But mm. yeah, uh, I'm gonna go link to the past. Actually, yeah. that was uh, my mom was the one who got me into games, and she got me into the games. With Mist and Link to the Past, and I, I remember one of the things that really kind of like solidified games as a thing that were not just childish was hearing that my mom used to stay up past our bedtimes so that she could play Link to the Past, and like specifically made the Super Nintendo not in our room so that we like she could play it. Oh my god, that's <laughs> and and that was the only. And she's not really like much of a a gamer really not not much like point and click games occasionally sort of thing and lots of puzzle games um but yeah she used to be all about that one and i love that game a lot had a close place to my heart uh mine's obviously link's awakening but my runner-up is super mario 64 because the n64 is the first console i ever bought with my own money saved up 
for what felt like years. Yeah. Um, I was in a Toys R Us and I heard, I looked over and out of the corner of my eye, there was a kid playing the Bowser boss fight and I like looked away. <laughs> I, like, I don't even want it spoiled. I don't want, I want to have this experience pure on day one. And I've told this story before in the past on the show, but I'll do it again for the youngins in the front. Um, I brought my N64 home on a Saturday night in New Jersey. And on Sunday, all the stores were closed and we had this old fat, big, ass tv and i plugged my n64 into it and i didn't realize that to get visuals on it i needed like an rf switch adapter oh. and so it was like seven o'clock at night and we had to go to this dumb dinner party with uh my my parents and i turned on the tv and i heard ding and it was mario <laughs> and i heard him and i couldn't see him <laughs> and so i had no visuals whatsoever and so for like two whole days saturday night all day sunday monday i went to school monday i got home from school I couldn't see Super Mario 64, so I needed an extra $35, and my dad was like, here. So you've been saving up. Take the 35 bucks. Buy the stupid RF Switch. Play your game. And I came home, turned it on. I could see him. I started pulling on his weird face, which you can do in the title screen of that game. And then I played that game for what felt like years. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, You guys know. It's, yeah. Mario 64 is one of the most it, it just indelible games of all time. It's incredible. Uh, and, yeah, I will always have a personal connection to that. Nice. What was the MSRP for a Nintendo 64 when it first came out? Back then, I, th- I want to say it was $249.99, yeah. which was like, that's $200,000. That is not real money. Like $250 is so much money when you're a kid. I think yeah. the most money I ever saved up as like a child was like in the 70s. Yeah. yeah. Until I would be like, it's my birthday. And then I'd spend it on like stuffed animals and garbage. <laughs> my I parents my parents got me a savings account when I was in elementary school. So Fancy. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> I saved up a lot more than that, but I didn't spend it often, yeah. and now I use it on bills. So who's laughing? Oh no, bills! Let's end the show on the note of paying your bills. This is your reminder to pay your bills. Millennials are killing. Thank bills. you for listening to NBC <laughs> Nintendo Voice Chat, where we pay our bills on time. Sometimes I think bills are killing millennials. Um, <laughs> it's true. Oh no. It's true. It is. So, hey, thank you so much for watching. Remember, you can watch NBC every Thursday on YouTube or IGN.com on at 3 p.m. or listen on your favorite podcasting platform like Spotify and Apple iTunes and all of the other podcasting platforms out there that I may or may not know about. Um, my name is Casey Freitas. You can find me on Twitter at ShinyKCD. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me also on Twitter at Law of TD. Don't ask me how I got that name. It's a long story. How do you spell that? Law of T- L-A-W-O-F-T. Is it a Phoenix, right? No, it's an old <laughs> Simpsons joke. Okay. <laughs> Tom, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, at Tom R. Marks. And what about you, Brian? You can find me at Agent Bizzle. Again, thank you so much for listening. And remember, this is the only place you can. Get the thing. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.